For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and unfortunately Patrick is unwell this week so do rest up my friend and make sure you're back on the show soon. Although fear not because we have a fantastic standing captain this week. It's none other than the returning Holly. Holly, it's been a while but how have you been? Oh it has been a while but I'm very happy to come back into the squad and get some minutes with you guys. Yes, the armband is safely around your arm this evening, which means you're also joined by our forward hitman, Ryan. Ryan, I hope all is well, and you've had a good fortnight. Yes, I'm good, Dan. Always a pleasure to be back on. Like I say, it's uh, always eventful in the life of a Tottenham fan, so let's get going, shall we? And also making his return to the show tonight is Alan. Alan, it's your second appearance of the season. I hope you're ready to chat all things Spurs once again. Yeah, always uh, ready to talk everything Spurs. I'd hope my second performance of the season is better than Stephen Bergwijn's against Chelsea. So, yeah. oh, Controversial, <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit. But before we do, <laughs> let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Comedy Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at CYS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll sort it for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is not one but two league games in the past week. And I'm not sure whether to start with the good or the bad, to be honest. Let's start with the bad, because it always offers more talking points, which means we're going to have to go to Stamford Bridge. And Holly, I don't know about you, but after Sunday's performance, I'm just a bit bored of losing to Chelsea. Oh, agreed. I'm hoping we don't have to play in the FA Cup because that would be yeah. lovely. I want to avoid them at all costs because I don't want to go through that again. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't know where to begin, to be honest. Um, it's just a bit deflated after that game. Like you said, we've played them so many times and to turn up once again and not necessarily have any fight of desire um, was pretty poor, I think, from us. And we see this pretty much week in, week out against Chelsea. It's driving me insane. Well, Ryan, I mean, we shouldn't be flippant and say, oh, I'm bored losing to Chelsea. But the thing is, after... Looking at those two Carabao Cup performances, which have only taken place recently as well, you would have hoped Tottenham would have at least learned something, and at least especially, or especially I should say, after Wednesday's heroics, really. I know it was like a, a late win and we kind of grabbed a win from the jaws of defeat, but you would have thought that would have been the perfect launch pad to then bloody Chelsea's nose just a few days later. Yeah, you would have thought so, Dan. I mean, I'm in complete agreement with Holly. I am sick of seeing Chelsea this season and... Like you say, we could still get them in the FA Cup. Yeah, I'm. St- I'm. Don't know whether it's our performances against them are so bad, or they've turned into the new West Ham against us. Whereas we're the main team they like to turn up against every game because we seem to get nothing off them at the minute. And like you say, after Wednesday, tails were up. We were happy. We were going in, all confidence up. Chelsea had just drawn again to Brighton, so you would have thought. It would have been a different type of game. I mean, the setup was a little confusing. I mean, I always say to Alan and the rest in the group chat that we're on, just trust Conte. He's doing what he can do with the players he's got. But even I was still a bit of bit confused about the starting lineup. But like you say, we've just we've just played against them twice in the Carabao Cup. So you would have thought 
Maybe you've seen something that he wants to exploit. Maybe you've seen a bit of weakness in Chelsea, which is why he's got this lineup out today. But it was just same old story. It was give Chelsea the ball, let them dominate, no press, no real fight, really. Like I said, we had the odd player who was showing some bits. But no, other than that, Dan, I'm just sick to death of Chelsea. I mean, it makes it worse that they're one of our main rivals as well. Well, this is it. It just rubs salt into the wounds, doesn't it? But, Alan, as you said about Steven Bergvine, let's be honest, if he doesn't do that two-goal quick-fire salvo against Leicester, does he start against Chelsea? Not at all. Exactly. And I was quite I was quite shocked that he did, to be fair. I mean, there was rumours before the game that Moore, Skip and Regulon were carrying knocks, but they still were on the bench and played. So, for me, if you're going to come on and play, you'll start the game. Um, Moore, should have, for me, should have started and... Like I said, I think it's a mentality thing with Spurs now going away to Chelsea. We've won once there under it, it, since 1990 under Poch. It's just for me, it's a mentality thing. Um, changing to match him four four two, you know, we've got to look at Conte and that. I thought we would have gone with a three five two and flooded in midfield, but it just doesn't seem. Whatever we try and do against them, all they do is just find a way to beat us, and quite convincingly. So I'm just going down to it's like a mentality thing with Spurs. As soon as it comes to us going away to him, it's instantly. It looks like we're like accepting defeat before we start. And hopefully, once Conte gets the summer out of the way with the team he wants, hopefully he can get a different, uh, different mentality in the team. But it just seems same old, same old. We go away to Chelsea. Well, Alan, I'll stay with you then because this mentality. Why is it happening? Because let's be honest, this wasn't a. Chelsea, which was in bullish form beforehand, not a Chelsea at the start of the season that rolled us over 3-0 at home. You know, this is a Chelsea which I think won, what, 1-6 in six beforehand? So are we setting up our team to kind of match Chelsea, the club, rather Chelsea in their form? You say 4-4-2, really, it was a 6-2-2 at times because you've, yes. got, you've got four centre-backs across the back four. And I know sort of Tanganga and Davis were deployed as full-backs to start with, but then you've got... Doherty and Sessegnon in front of them and there's nothing really sort of in midfield. It's As I say, it's so kind of parked from those sort of six players and then you're just looking for an out ball and a break and then you're getting over running midfield. Do you have to sort of hold your hands up from a Conte point of view? And we all back him as much as we can because we want him to do so well. But is this the first time he got it wrong? Uh, I would say that, yeah. For me, I mean, if you look at teams that have got success against them recently, it's because they've gone at them like Brighton, uh, West Ham. You, you go at Chelsea, you... you pressure them you you press them you you know put it on them and that, that that that's when you'll get success against them but we just always regardless whether it's in the league cup or away or even at home earlier on the season we just give them too much credit too much room and they just they just put it's it's the attitude of the Chelsea players as well like they go in and they leave a bit on Spurs players and it's just like a, it's like a I don't know a schoolboy mentality from us that we just it's like we're the small kid against the bigger kid and we just shy away and that's what I, I that's what I want to come out of this first team I don't want them to be with that mentality anymore but yeah Conte I think he's got it wrong once before um, in the first leg of the League Cup I think he got it wrong in that game because he only had two in midfield and we got overrun and then I think he got you know he's a world class manager and he's performing miracles with that team but he, you can still get things wrong as a manager and I just think that I think he thought let's try and get a draw after that amazing comeback against Leicester. And I think it was just the initiative that Chelsea needed to, to start the game well and just control it. Holly, does this result sort of suggest that 
we found our level within the Premier League. That yes, we're beating Leicester, but we can't sort of edge that gap between us and the top three. That defeat sent us back to seventh. And I know there's games in hand and all that, and it's kind of hard to really gauge how how good we are. But is it fair to say that we're not as good as the likes of City, Liverpool, and Chelsea? Nowhere near. But at the same time, have we beat Chelsea? That gap to third could be swallowed up quite quickly. You know, it changes the complexion of the season. So it's not doom and gloom from the context of the season, but it just makes you feel so frustrated again because it's another big six away day where we simply haven't turned up. I think that's the, the main frustrating thing. Yes, we could have gone, the, the, t- the tides could have changed in the sense that we could have got, they got a point or got three points. But again, we just don't have the depth or the passion or desire anymore to, to go and do one over those. Like It drives me insane. All of us fans are thinking, come on, just show a bit of passion and fight on the pitch. And we don't seem to do it against Chelsea. And football is a funny old game. Yes, we've still got games in hands, but those games in hands are, are dwindling away and they will be starting to dwindle away. We need to capitalise on the advantage while we've got it. And I think, sadly, it was just an opportunity missed. And I think, like we've all alluded to so far, I think Conte has slightly got it wrong. I mean, the amount of times we've played them and he's tried different things and every time it just hasn't worked. You'd, you'd hope he'd learn from the mistake, maybe playing that we needed to flood the midfield and it just didn't really happen. So I think it's a missed opportunity. Um, like I say, it's not doom and gloom, but in terms of where we go from here, just need to obviously sort something out in this transfer window and I'm sure we'll get onto it. But oh, yeah. yeah, there's still a lot of, a lot of work to be done. Ryan, are Tottenham in danger of being labelled as flat-track bullies? Because it's all very well beating Leeds, Crystal Palace at home, but that's only going to get you so far. You do need to take points off the teams in that top six mix, especially the ones you are fighting for European football with, the likes of Arsenal, West Ham, Manchester United. So, you know, it's, as I say, we're kind of working out how good we are at the moment. It's quite difficult because everyone's playing different numbers of matches and there's no real kind of common metric. I know the points are kind of on the board and... That is really the indicator of the league table and all that. But, you know, as I say, it's kind of, we could add nine points from games in hand and think, oh, brilliant, you know, we're fourth. But if we lose those games in hand or we don't win them all, we're back down to seventh. So we're kind of looking at this and you kind of think to yourself, have Tottenham got enough steam in them, as we are, between now and the end of the season to get hit Champions League football? I I think we do. I think it is all based on this next week for the transfer market. I think that's the only answer time you'll be able to answer to be honest if we end up with just the Dharma trial then no top four I don't think it's in our reach at all I don't think we'll have the squad or the players to get there if he gets another two in after a Dharma some key areas like you say a centre midfielder and a striker because like you say Bergvine yes he got his two goals midweek but if we'd got this striker solution sorted out in the summer, never mind January, you wouldn't have to worry about Son going away. Yes, he's a big miss, but at least you'll have another striker on the pitch with Harry Kane that will change Kane's game as well. But the only big team we seem to enjoy playing at the minute is Manchester City at home. I know we beat Arsenal at home most seasons and sometimes Man U, but it's Chelsea. I think it's Chelsea and Liverpool at the two main issues we have in this league. I mean, they're the two teams that we can't seem to get by, whether it's home or away or in cup fixtures. It's really frustrating. Cause like you say, they are two of the top three teams in the league. So that gap to Chelsea could have closed if we had won that game. Even if, even if we'd got a point, we would all have been happy coming away yeah. from that game point because the gap stays the same with our games in hand. Like I say, the the 
flat track bullies that you speak about, then if we were coming a team like that, the gap would be closed because we'd be expected to beat Brighton and Burnley and Arsenal at home. But like I say it's all it's all just a bit. So you don't know whether Conte's putting these sides out to basically throw a message at the board like many managers have done before and failed with or if that's literally just what he's got to play with at the minute but like I say we've got to go into these grounds a bit more confident yes Chelsea are a good team they're a big team they've got some brilliant players but so have we and if we turn up like we do against Man City at home every season the start of the season that was under Nuno's half the manager Conte is so I don't know what it is it's it's just going into Anfield and Stamford Bridge at the minute that's probably keeping us out of that top three because we just go in there with no confidence no just nothing about us at all and we literally allow them to dictate the 90 minutes of the game and always come out with a 2-3-0 defeat well Alan I mean we criticise the manager well we have been here but is it also the benefit of hindsight is that if we did get a draw, if we did get a win, we're all of a sudden lording and thinking, wow, what a formation. So, as Ryan says, is this a message to the board? Is he being that clever? Or is that quite a risky strategy to take after being, what, so many or so few months into the job? You can't really start, I don't know if you're throwing games is the word, but I don't think Conte is the kind of man to sort of make a, an on-field protest and say, look, this is all I've got, or I'm purposely playing a bad team. So, is he literally at the point where the tools just aren't in place for him to get the best out of Tottenham? See, for me, my take on it is that I believe he's got the team planned to the best that they can. And obviously that just means that we're nowhere near Chelsea and that's what it is. I mean, let's just say in hindsight, we had got a result somehow yesterday against Chelsea, like, you know, a one nil win somehow. I know Daniel Levy's probably going to be sitting there thinking, oh my God, I don't have to buy anyone. Conte can do anything. You know, and instantly it goes against him. But I don't think he's initially trying to throw games to have it go against us. I think he's just basically showing when it comes away to these big guns, the big guns, I have to play stuff like this because we can't compete man for man. So maybe it's that type of thing. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I just think... I think he's not he's not throwing anything. He's just basically saying these are the tools have got to do the job. And I agree. If you know, if we only get a Dharma Triori, and especially after we were promised that it's like 100, 150 million in January, which now looks like it's going to be the summer. And that's just Spurs fans. We know we'll get to the summer. and It'll be January again. It's always promised stuff. Um, I just think Conte is showing this is all I've got to do the job. I need you to, you know, to back me. Um, and I think if we don't back him, I think he quite easily walks in the summer. So it's just one of them things, unfortunately. Another world-class manager that might just walk away because our board and whoever is in charge again um, signings in aren't really fulfilling it. Well, Hulse, this is the point, isn't it? Because we all know that Antonio Conte is a born winner. His track record speaks to himself. I was saying to a mate earlier, completely separate to the show, and he said that from a neutral's point of view or a non-Spurs point of view, he would not be surprised at all if Conte walks in the summer because why would you need the hassle? You know, why would you want to damage your own stock? Because you could go anywhere in the world as a manager. How he's come to Tottenham in the first place is still kind of mind-blowing to a certain degree. And after winning so many trophies in Italy and England, you sort of think, well, why would he want to be a, a manager of someone who's seventh? And we're at the point now where you're kind of almost seeing, not the end game, but 
that direction and it baffles you really doesn't it because you kind of think this is one of the world's best managers and he would have every, every right to depart in the summer if we only got someone like Adama Traore because you just think you're just giving him nowhere near what he needs to do this job. So for you, will he, let's say three options, will he go in the summer, will he fulfil his 18-month contract and then just call it a day or do you reckon there's room for an extension on that contract? I'm going to be, like, I'm going to put it right out there. It could even be before then. Really? <laughs> going to like... I'm a bit... Wow. Because... If you think about it, how do you attract players to your club? You get top four Champions League football. If we don't reach that in the summer, who the, who are we going to attract in the summer that's going to be a Conte player? It, you're not telling me that these problems have been at this club for so long that in September they haven't been thinking, right, OK, we need a defender. We need a creative midfielder because we haven't replaced Ericsson with Lo Celso. That was never a, a, a switch in a sense. They, they're not the same player. So for me, even if Adama comes in, I don't think it's enough. Um, I think, however, if Dead would leave in terms of, obviously we'll probably get onto it, but like Deli Ali and Ndombele, because Ndombele will free up a lot of money even if he does go on loan. I think then we're having a different conversation, but I'm going to put a proper span in the words. I could probably see him leaving earlier. Blimey. I mean, Ryan, if that is to happen, what is the scenario? Where does it all go wrong? Is this a man of principle that says by, where are we now, the 24th of January when we record, let's say next Tuesday, February the 1st, the window is slammed shut. I'm not saying Conte leaves on that day, but if he then sort of looks at his squad and thinks, I ain't got a chance here, like maybe Deli Ali's still at the club, maybe Ndombele's still at the club, Lacelso's still at the club, and he's got to work with that, and you just sort of think, for what he's done so far, to get us where we are, is almost kind of miracle working, but surely we're going to regress to the mean at some point. The squad can't keep puffing along and Conte might just think do you know what it's not worth the hassle oh massively 100% if like you say if we've still got some of the dead weight at the club because we haven't been able to get them out even on loan and he's been given a Dharma Triore as his only signing like I say there's going to be points in the season where we're just falling behind again yes he, that was his first loss yesterday in nine games but like you say he's he's a world-class manager who can get a good beat out of these players who are basically just happy that they've got him in now over Nuno so they are fighting for him but like Holly said it could be any time this season never mind the summer yes he could uh, wait until the summer see who we get but to keep him happy in the summer as well I think they'll have to buy very early to prove that they're going to back him in the summer. There's no point leaving it two weeks before the season starts. He will want players in a week after the season's finished. Is That's the only way you're going to keep him and the rest of his staff happy and to stay at Tottenham because there's just this the squad we've got at the minute is, like I say, top eight, seventh, uh, a push. The only reason we're this high at the minute is because of the manager we've got in the dugout so far. So this board, and it's not just him, this, this, I genuinely believe now they've had so many last chances, but this has to be Levis and Enix's last chance. I think they'll have a, a real, real problem if this manager doesn't succeed or if they don't back him to give him the tools to succeed. Because, yes, they've seen protests, they've seen angry fans for years, but there's not really been that type of protest where you feel something's going to happen. I mean, the Super League, that came, that went, the problem disappeared. 
that this is the first manager I think we've all actually been excited about since Pochettino and we know how Pochettino ended. So Holly's exactly right. There's no way to say that this won't end the same because Pochettino left very early in that season. He left and like Conte, if he's not happy, come February, the first bad defeat or the first couple of training sessions that he does where he thinks, oh, I'm not seeing anything that I saw before. He's not the type of man to stay to honour a contract. He will storm him to leave his office and tell him, I'm not I'm not messing around here anymore. I'm going. See you later. And then we are once again stuck with uh, Ryan Mason for the rest of the season. Well, Alan, I'm not sure on your stance on Enoch. Are you Enoch in, Enoch out? Oh, out all day long. Lovely. I mean... OK, so let's expand on that then. You're Enoch out. Let's say Conte's reign at Tottenham is, for all intents and purposes, a disaster, lacklustre, because we don't back him. The anticipation and the atmosphere after that is going to be pretty toxic. If it's not already toxic, it's going to be absolutely massive. Not only for people who will feel that we've bungled a huge, huge opportunity, and then you sort of think to yourself, whoever the next man in charge is going to have an almost impossible job. And then you also then think, why not just back the one we had before? Exactly. I mean, it's it's the history of Daniel Levy and Enoch as our, as our owners. I mean, let's be honest, he's got rid of that many managers. If Daniel Levy had assessed his own, what he's done at Spurs, he would have fired himself ages ago. So the fact that he's still here when he's got rid of so many managers is unreal. Um, we just always never seem to put the, the stuff on the pitch we'll do all this off the pitch like building a new stadium and new building things going on all around Spurs but then when it comes to putting the same, applying the same thing onto the pitch for building a team to to compete and win trophies and it's always lacklustre, it's always well, you want this, you want that, we'll give you this and that. I mean, Pochettino had needed one or two people to like world-class players to get him over the finishing line for a league title or a, or a trophy and what happened? We didn't buy anyone for a season Mourinho comes in a world-class manager. Yeah, OK, he was past his best, but he could still win you a trophy on his day. We sack him a week before because because they want to save money. That's the reason why we sacked him. He should have gone after the Zagreb thing, but we hold on to him. And then when it comes to we're at the top six, I think, and he, he gets less money, we sack him then. And now Conte, who we tried to get in the summer, who we didn't match his ambition... Then all of a sudden he becomes he becomes our manager after the whole Nuno thing. And the only reason he I think Daniel Levy put him uh, Conte in charge is because uh, the game against Man United fans were actually starting to chant loudly in the stadium that we want Levy out. And I think he's done it to back his own thing. But you know, I, I thought maybe this was the time that uh, you know we were going to spend big money and show this is you know, we're serious now. World class manager, peak of his powers. Isn't past it. He can still win leagues and stuff like that. And then it looks like quite, you know, quite convincingly that whatever was promised to him isn't actually what's going to be fulfilled. And it's a shame. Um, I'm still hoping for a surprise. And then, like by the end of this window, we've got two or three top quality players in. And then in the summer, we go again and buy top quality players and do business early rather than having it just drag on and drag on. We always seem to be the slowest team to, and it's probably because Daniel Levy's structuring our, you know you get pennies if you do this and pennies if you do that because he likes to structure a deal. But, you know, people like Enoch, uh, Enoch and Levy, uh, you know, even Joe Lewis has never put his hand in his pocket for this club. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm done with more. If they all walk tomorrow and sell to a new owner, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. Well, Holly, in terms of Enoch's transfer strategy for this month, they've had enough time 
where's the sort of joined up thinking? Because I know it's easy for us to say, well, buy early in the window, but we've used Aston Villa as an example on the show before. They get it done early. They did it in the summer early as well. Alan's probably on the right money in the sense of, well, if we give you this percentage and if you do that, you get that clause, etc., etc., which is just as infuriating, really. So why couldn't Tottenham steal a march on their top six, top four rivals? Get a bit of business early. They could have played against Chelsea yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Why do we always do this to ourselves? It's not in their DNA. I no, don't think. No, I think that's it. just the way we put it. It's it's not them. Um, they just want to haggle and barter all the time. It just drives me insane to think we we all saw the problems staring us in the face at the start of the season, and you're telling me that they haven't thought this whole time having Don Fabio, as I can't say his first name, uh, in the in the, around the team that they're not thinking. Okay, January when the uh, sorry January when the window opens, we're going to go for him, him and him because we need them instead. We've got, what, a week left and we're still haggling about Adama Traore. I think it just sums it up, really. Absolutely. Let's pivot back to the match now because, Ryan, what can you say about Jafet Tenganga? He's not having a good run of form at the moment. You could even argue that he's been largely culpable for everything that's gone against us recently in terms of goals. So, as a club, as a manager in Conte, with him playing badly consistently, are we in danger of ruining the player's confidence? How would you approach this situation? I think his confidence is ruined already, Dan, to be really? honest. Like- yeah, I think it's uh, the problem he's had is obviously he came in his debut for Liverpool. It was a cracking performance. He's had some good performances after that, but he's not had regular game time. He's ne- he's never been out on loan. That's some players need that loan system. That loan system benefits them so well, like a Harry Kane to go out to play regular football, lower divisions, get the feel of it. Get some minutes under your belt. He's not had that with us. He's spent a lot of time on the bench watching for 90 minutes. And, yeah, training with players, yeah, that's fine. And having the odd game, half-hour cup games, that's fine. But, no, it's, I think, to be honest, I can't see him being a Tottenham starter. I can't. I think this loan deal that AC Milan want him on, I think the best thing to do is send him out to Milan. I know it's obviously it's a different uh, different culture, different contra, different style of football completely in the Italian league, but it's experience for him that if we don't sell him to Milan at the end and bring him back and see what he's learned from that. I mean, I know the Chelsea lad is out there, Tamores, I know the uh, Milan fans love him and rave about him. And like I say, that's that's just what he needs now because like I say, the past few games, it's he just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing at the minute. He looks scared to move out with the ball. Every challenge he puts in, he's not he's not using his strength correctly. He's not using his pace. I mean, he's not a slow player at all. And he can get back to a Hudson Adoy. Hudson Adoy is quick himself, but he can get back to him and maybe get it out from throwing or something like that. I'm not sure, but he seems to just jump into every challenge at the minute and I was desperate for him to come off at half time yesterday because you could as soon as he's booked there's only one thing you see in him at the minute and that's another rush challenge because he's either tried too hard to impress or he's just got no confidence at all. Alan is the problem from a Spurs fan perspective that because he's one of our own, in inverted commas, that we're a bit too generous with our assessments at time. You know, are we guilty as a collective of wearing those Tottenham shades and bigging him up? Has that 
kind of give him, I guess, like a fake illusion as to how good he is. What's your status on Tanganga? What would you do with him? So for me, I don't think we're, we're like that too much as a fan base. I mean, just a little dig at Arsenal. I mean, their fan base is deluded in the fact that they overhype everyone. I don't think we're like that. What I believe it is with Tanganga, I think he's been played in the wrong position. When he first came in and he played against Liverpool, he was a right back and he was good defensively and he was getting up and he was making runs, like overlapping and getting up high up the pitch and all that. And I thought you saw the best of him there. I think him as a right wing back, because for me, I don't think Adam Troy is out. I wouldn't want him to come for Spurs. Um, Royal is definitely not that. And Doherty's never really performed for Spurs. So I'd give Tanganga a go there. I think taking him out of the back three with a lot of pressure on him, I, I think that's where I don't think he's comfortable in the back three. I don't even think he's comfortable in the back two as a centre-back. I, I just haven't seen it for him. But I think his most comfortable position is right back. So why not give him a go right wing back and see if he... Because he can defend. We've, we saw he can defend against teams like Liverpool. And I think he can do a job going forward. So I would put him in that position. I think he'd do a lot better than he has been doing now. But, you know, it looks like he's going to go out alone and we'll probably end up selling him. But if you look at him, is he any worse than what Rodon is? Rodon isn't even getting on the on the pitch, you know, at least Tanganga's getting on the pitch. So I just, it just seems mismanagement, not from Conte, but mismanagement from Tottenham as a whole in the way they do business. And yeah, it's just, unfortunately, as um, the uh, Chiellini said, it's the history of the Tottenham, everything always going wrong. Well, that's quite the fall from grace from Tanganga. Again, sort of has a great debut, great game against Middlesbrough in the Cup as well. Just, soon after and then you're sort of thinking oh we've got real talent here and it's just kind of as Alan says the confidence has just been drained out of him that's not from kind of playing necessarily really bad every week but it's just kind of cluster of errors that are just kind of adding to his charge sheet and you just think he's at an age where he needs to kind of progress one way or the other and if you're not careful you're going to lose everything and I think it's a quite sad indictment that if he goes to Milan we sell him it's another player we've left and let's slip through our fingers. It's kind of thinking this academy that we keep bigging up, they get to a certain point and they never really deliver, do they? You know, obviously Harry Kane being the uh, the outlier and what he's done, but Josh Onomoa, you know, I'm just there's many other options there that have just kind of been and gone. They've been flavour of the, the month and then just never really hit the heights. And if he does go to AC Milan, that would be Thiago Silva's, one of his former clubs. And Holly, he's the main talking point of that Chelsea game because Harry Kane... Thiago Silva, was it a push on the Brazilian defender? Oh, it's, <laughs> he's very clever, shall we say. Um, that's the thing that really irritates me because there's no one in our team that would go down like that if that had happened because it does generally look like he's been shot. Um, it's clearly a, just a brush from Harry Kane as he's trying to stop himself to get ready to obviously score, which he does. But I think that's the thing that really irritates me with VAR because we can all see that Thiago Silva's played the ref, basically. And you'd like to think that VAR would look at that and be like, mm, hang on a minute, ref, I think you need to have a look at this because I don't think he's actually meant to push Thiago with force. It's just a brush. But again, is it clear and obvious? And that's the thing that irritates me with VAR and refereeing at the moment, what is clear and obvious. So in terms of the rules, I think it sadly has to get disallowed. But in terms of football and whether the game has gone soft, I think it has. Well, Ryan, let's look at it another way then, because if Thiago Silva does the exact same action to Harry Kane and does that push it in his back, would you see a penalty being given? Not in a million years. Exactly, exactly. That penalty, it's the... Still, today, I'm just 
baffled at how he's given it. Like I say, Thiago Silva is very clever. He's been he's he's gone to grad as if Kane's just given him a two foot challenge into his back. He's practically ended up off the pitch as far as he's dived. And it was a simple a hurricane, like Holly just said, he's just stopping his run. Chago Silva's there. He's just putting his hands out to slow himself down. And I mean, it's... And yeah, obviously, yeah, in hindsight, the game could have been completely different with that goal. Everyone, obviously, goals change games. But I mean, I think I, I don't know if I'm right in saying this. Doherty said today that the linesman actually give, gave the goal. And it was the referee who... Uh, disallowed it. He said that in his pre-match conference after the game yesterday. So, like I said, that's, I thought this is what VAR was for. Surely the official should say, oh, I think you might have been a bit, you might have jumped the gun a bit on that. Why don't you just take another look? If you still feel like it's a foul, then obviously the decision lies with the ref on the pitch. If he feels like Harry Kane has shoved Thiago to the floor, then yeah, give it. But having another look at it and not just in slow-mo because the slow-mo makes it look 10 times worse than what it actually would have been, then, yeah, we might have got rubber to greet. But VAR doesn't seem to like us at the minute. To say Harry Kane's a golden boy of England and he can't do no wrong, it seems to be everything seems to be going against him with VAR at the minute. Well, you take that chance against South- Southampton and then you see Edison Cavani against West Ham... You think, where's the consistency? And that's exactly what I'm going to ask Alan, because Paul Tierney was the referee on Sunday. He gives a push in the back for Kane on Thiago Silva. He didn't give a push on the back when Alexander-Arnold clearly pushed Ali and really, by the same token, should have given a penalty. So we're looking at the same referee. It's not a case of like the same instances happen with two different refs. This is the same person. So where's the consistency with him? I don't think there's much consistency with the Premier League refs. I mean, there's been some games this season where I've seen consistency and basically VARs and intervened and overturned. Um, but in regards to certain things like that, I mean, yeah, it's just a hand on a hand on him. He's gone down. And I agree, roles reversed, like it would never be a penalty. But I don't, I don't know. Is it really? I don't really want to think the referees are letting players, you know, profiles go before him you know to to rule one way or another but especially when it comes to stuff like VAR and ha- they're saying that they're meant to be doing thicker lines this to you know to to be more clear and it just seems like it doesn't seem to be that way it just seems to be I mean the Cavani one you know instantly when you see it you go it's offside and then they show the lines and it just looks the lines they're going from the wrong place like the head probably played offside because you can score with your head but then when it happened with the Harry Kane one against Southampton, it just looked like it was it was so close. Um, you know, it looked uh, looks on side, but it just I, I don't know. I think VAR is good for the game; it could be overruled. But I just think the referees are that inconsistent. They cause their own problems because apart from like if they're not t- told to go to the screen and have a look at it, then basically it's with the on-field decision. So when you've had something, I think once they blow and they give something and the VAR, it's not clear and obvious and the ref, uh, VAR go, yeah, that's fine. We don't do anything additional. But I think when they do get it wrong, you know, maybe VAR are kind of thinking to themselves, well, you know, he's given the same thing the other way prior in this game. You know, let's not overrule him this time because he has to be seen to be consistent. And then that in itself is inconsistent. But I, d- I don't know. I think it still needs to be redefined. The laws, uh, what needs to be put through to VAR and 
stuff like that. Because I, I think stuff like o- o- offside for me, how it got from where it was back in the day of you know if any part of your body that you can score with is offside, you're offside. Now it's come to stuff like this. It's just yeah, it's just so long winded, and I just think VAR is good. I just think the referees in this league are quite poor. Holly, in terms of Chelsea's opener, do you just have to put your hands up and say that's an inch-perfect strike or are Tottenham guilty of not doing enough to kill the ball in the build-up? Yeah, I think there was a lot of criticism on Hugo Lloris and I was sat there thinking, why are you blaming Hugo when it's put where it is, when we're seeing players not coming out to the ball? I think that's what drove me nuts. Yeah. You're taught, as a player, you need to go and close down. We just let him have acres and acres of space. Let him take, look up, look where he wants to put it and curl it round. Yeah, I think... Criticism highly needs to go on the fact that we didn't bother pressing. Well, Ryan, it was not a good end to the week for Hugo Lloris. However, good for the club in the sense that he signed a two-year contract. I mean, that's one department we don't have to worry about in the short or medium term. So, safe hands in general for Hugo. Long may it continue. Oh, massive. Yeah, that is a massive um, contract signed for us. And I think we've said on this show before he could... When he decides to hang up his gloves, he could become a petter check to Chelsea. Obviously, he's gone out and found Edouard Mende from his old club in France, who's turned out to be a brilliant signing for Chelsea. And he, uh, we know Galeen is not the answer because he said himself in his interview after signing it that over the next two years, he's looking to help find the goalkeeper who could spend <clears throat> 10 years at Tottenham. So you know it's not Galini. Obviously, everyone's seen Galini wants to leave. We send him back, no problem. But it's it's not just the on-field that's a benefit for us. Having him around the club, his experience, his leadership is absolutely vital. And obviously, that's probably the only good bit of business we've done for Conte because it sounded very much so like Conte really wanted to. I think I read that they had a conversation that lasted half a minute of Conte saying to him, I want you to stay. Laurie said, yeah, and that was it. That's, I mean, that's how negotiation should go, that, that nice and simple. It still, still took the club nearly a month to get the actual contract signed, but at least now we don't have to worry about that position and hopefully Paratici is somewhere cooking, as everyone likes to say, because I'm sick of seeing him sat on the bench in game day. I'd rather hear that he's in the office or travelling somewhere to get some deals over the line. Now, let's look at players going out. Alan, it's all very well saying that, yep, there's money there if we sell players, but when you're looking at the names that could depart in the next week or so, they're all players with rather low stock. So, with that in mind, they're not very desirable either. Can you see the likes of Ali, Lo Celso, Undumbele, Mac Doherty, for example? Like, what departures do you honestly envisage? I've seen Brian Hill being linked with a loan move. Emerson Royale's already out of favour. What departures are on your agenda? If I'm speaking, if I'm speaking with my head, I'd say you have to find the right player. If I'm speaking with my heart and what I believe people are good enough for this club, then I'd get rid of eight or nine off the bat straight away. If we if we can afford to do that, it's just that bad. Um, Deli Ali, I think you can realistically get away with getting him to Newcastle or Everton, like he's been linked with that type of club. But I don't think you'll get him higher than that. Uh, and Dembele, I reckon with a loan with a, with an option to buy to somebody. Because um, if he hits the ground running in the slower league, because he's got all the ability, that guy, but he's just not got the drive, determination, mentality, or the work ethic. So it's just unfortunate, but I don't think he'll ever make it in this league. I think he can go to 
go back to France or go to Italy and slowly and boss it, and that's where his value will rise before we can get rid of him in the summer. Doherty, he's just been awful from start to finish with Spurs, so I don't know where you could get rid of him. Uh, Lo Celso, another he impressed to get a from a loan to a to think he's done nothing since. So, you know, we're going to lose money on all of these players. You know, unless you get a loan move and they do do really well and then you can make money back, we're going to lose money to all of them. I don't think anyone will, apart from in the ballet, I think the rest will not go to clubs as big as Spurs when they finally do go. But if we do get rid of the amount of players we're looking to, although they're not starting and not first team, we have to have their squad players. So you need to be able to bring players in who are either going to improve the squad and then obviously you've got a better bench than what we did have. Or if you bring in people that are for the bench, you know, you've just got to be able to fill the squad because we're quite short at the moment as he is with injury. So we can't let three or four go without bringing in that amount of, uh, you know, the same amount of replacements. So that's why I believe they will bring in more signings, especially if they do let go the the people that are just not going to be here for much longer or who are not at that level to, for me to get Spurs to move us forwards. Holly, one player who is desirable, if you believe the reports, is Steven Bergvine. So Ajax is still monitoring his movements. They're hopeful they can get a deal done in this next week. You could argue his value shot up by at least a million or two after Wednesday night, but has that cameo performance at the King Power done enough for you for him to be added to the hands-off list? It's really difficult, again, because it's like you're thinking to yourself, he does improve the team, but again, it's a stint, I'd say, off the bench again when he wants to prove a point. But I think there's more places in the squad that we need to fix first than let him go. Yes, OK, you could argue, but he's the one that's going to obviously someone wants him, you want to pay the money. But I think we need to tackle the areas like Deli Ali and Madomble. They're the positions we really need to let go of because I think a bad egg, as I like to say, is going to rot the team out. And I think, I know what you guys have said, saying, well, if we get them out, we need to bring players in. But I think we'd actually rejuvenate some players if those players have gone, I think. Well, Ryan, if we look at the transfer window, how it's shaping up at the moment, let's say Adama Jore comes in, let's say Steven Bergvine departs. That's not quite like for like, but you sort of see where I'm going with this. Now, it doesn't really fix any problems, does it? It just kind of changes the personnel available rather than add bodies so would you keep Bergvine or if you're getting a tempting offer from Ajax would you say thanks for everything Steve but your timing North London wasn't quite what we expected I'm uh, on the same boat as uh, Holly here I think that there's so many more other areas of the pitch that we need to both improve on and get rid of players and I think the players like Ndombele, La Celso, Dele Alle Matt Doherty, they're more important to get out than Steven Bergvine. Yes, Ajax could come in with a twenty million pound offer for Bergvine, but at the minute he's probably better left at the club just because obviously the performance off the bench on Wednesday was brilliant. Is I think he's a much better player coming off the bench. Whether obviously he's not going to want to do that, he's going to want to start game after game. But I mean. The players that we still need in, I mean, I don't think we've fixed any problems. We, we've never replaced Kyle Walker or Jan Vertonghen, and Toby Alderweireld, Moussa Dembele, Christian Eriksen. They're, they're from the Poch era. There's still areas of this team that need fixing. And I think this club at the minute concerns themselves a lot more with getting players out than they do with fixing our areas. I mean, Stephen Bergvine's probably going to be one that leaves 
an hour before deadline uh, next week because then Enoch pocket the money, not got enough time for Conte to spend it or promise it him in the summer. And they'll blame COVID and lack of events and whatever else for not spending it. So, to be honest, transfer windows at this the last transfer window I enjoyed was probably Van der Vaart in January. Yeah. God, I can't remember how long that go that was. To be honest, that's since then we've put up with like the. Louis Sahar's Ryan Nelson type of transfer windows. Every single one seems to get worse and worse as the years go on. So I'm not, I've got no faith in players going out or coming in, to be honest. Well, Alan, let's look at Carl Walker because if you look at the, shall we say, evolution or perhaps devolution of a right back since, Walker, Trippier, Aurier, Emerson slash Doherty, it's quite scary how far we've regressed in that position. And we seem to be just chucking more and more money at the problem and not sort of solving it at all. So do we buy another right back in the next week? What would you do there? For me, that is that is a problem area. Because as you say, like the level of standard from Carl Walker, who had a, had an error in him quite, you know, quite a couple, a couple of times a season. So he, he weren't elite, but he was by far away I've been our best right back in my lifetime. But um, yeah, to go through the names, Aurier had an error in him. Doherty just doesn't perform. Roy, oh my, I don't even want to. Don't get me started on Roy. He's just yeah, how how we bought him for twenty five million is just beyond me. But that is definitely an area. I mean, if that's what um, Traore's been bought in for because he's going to adapt to a right wing back, I don't see it working because for me Traore doesn't work like doesn't defend and his end product isn't all that, which is what we need because Royal doesn't do it nor does Doherty. You know, for me, it's another problem area. I don't think Troyer is the answer, and I, I think it's a bit of panic. I would rather see that money spent elsewhere, like in the middle of the park, and put Tritanganga there. I think he'd do a better job than what we've got at the moment without spending the money and improving other players. But yeah, it's it's not just, I mean, Regulon's are decent for the left back, but that right back, I can't believe how bad we've got it season after season since Kyle Walker's left. And it's just. You know, um, I mean, for me, I'd rather see a Lamptey. I'd go after a Lamptey and buy him. But it just seems like all the players that Spurs fans would cry out for or think would do a good job. Uh, I I don't understand the full process behind fixing that right-back position. And I don't think we'll see it fixed for some time, in my honest opinion. Well, I guess the problem here is that you're trying to buy players that are better than what you've got but if you're not in the Champions League that task becomes even harder you're right in saying someone like Lamptey would be perfect but you're probably asking a season out of him before he starts to really hit his stride in Tottenham going back to a big club and all of that so it's just there's no overnight fix but every time we try and fix it we're going in further of the wrong direction so you know you can't just go right that's fine we'll chuck at 70 million at it because that's just not feasible so do you have to then buy 25 million, see how that does, and then another 30 million, see how that... It's just an absolute mess. But let's try and end on some positive notes because we did beat Leicester. We shouldn't forget that. Holly, just the sheer limbs, the madness at the end, I think is kind of what added to it. It wasn't quite Amsterdam, but it had that kind of vibe. And I think Lucas Moura, once again, needs some bonus points, if only for his celebration. Stealing a hat, I don't know if he gave it back or not, but he certainly did at one point. Jumping on a steward, you don't see enough of that in football, do you? Like, that man, honestly, I love him to bits. As well, it's my mum's birthday at the weekend and I tweeted him and he wished her happy birthday oh, as well. Yes, so that just yes. 
he's he's a diamond for me. But no, it, it just shows the the fact the pure that that man is so underrated in this Tottenham side. He really is. Like even when we were playing so poorly, he was the burning light. Um, and again, Stevie B does that madness, and he's over there celebrating. Like you say, nicks the hat, gets on top of the steward. It's just like you say, pure limbs. I loved it, and it, it's been a feeling that I've missed for a little while. And oh, okay, the Chelsea game was a bit depressing, but that just shows you how football can just change like that and it was brilliant that we were obviously on the good receiving end of it well this is it Ryan because Twitter was absolutely flying in the middle of the week it was great wasn't it you know you couldn't see enough clips enough angles and this is like yes this is the the Tottenham we've missed because you would have thought fantastic a draw against Leicester countless chances guilty of being a bit sloppy at the back on on balance you think well actually do you know what in the circumstances a point fair enough however we had the gumption to keep going you know where did that sort of final move come from? And you can think, if this can be how we play most weeks, we're going to be all right. But at the same time, there's always that lurking sense at the moment with Tottenham of one step forward, two steps back. Oh, yeah, that's that's every week at the minute. This is, uh, like I say, the comeback was absolutely unbelievable. I think, like I say, 93rd minute, I was sat in my living room sulking like a child who'd just been told off, thinking, how on earth are we coming away from this game 2-1 down, 2 cleared off the line, hit the crossbar. Twenty. Plus, when was the last time we saw Tottenham put 20-plus shots in on goal? And obviously the equaliser, yep, yeah, I was overjoyed with the equaliser. And like you say, I was celebrating that much with the equaliser, I nearly missed the winner myself. <laughs> and to get it back that quick, and I mean, obviously the, the credit obviously goes Hoiberg. Um, I think Hoiberg, who won it back? Was it Skip who won? Hoiberg um, won it back first to feed Kane. Yeah, then Kane, obviously, that ball through. To, but we've been asking for a pass like that. To be honest, from Kane, that game, we've been asking for a performance like that from Kane all season. That was the true Harry Kane in that game, the way he took his goal. Yeah, he had some other brilliant chances that game, but the way he took his goal, his energy, and the, that final pass was absolutely pinpoint for Bergvine because obviously he knows Bergvine's pace. Uh, Vestergaard's never going to catch him, so Yonchu's never going to catch him. And the pass was absolutely delicious. I mean, and Berg, he still had all the work to do, Bergvine. You can't take no credit from him. Obviously, taking it round Schmeichel. Uh, when it hit the post, my heart about stopped. I didn't, didn't realise. I thought he might have just rolled across the line and stayed out. That would have summed uh, <clears throat> Tottenham up as well but we needed a win like that and obviously like I say you go on Twitter afterwards and everyone's comparing it to the win against Aston Villa under Pochettino that turning point under a manager where you think mm, this this could change the whole season for us but then you wake up the next day and it's back to reality of no this, this squad's not good enough for top four but you never you can't ever be unhappy with a game like that yes you can be unhappy in the 93rd minute when you're losing, but to actually come away with the win, see the players, like you say, Lucas Moore is an absolute... I mean, that guy, you would, you would have thought he was born in the white, old White Hart Lane Stadium and he's been a fan his entire life. Because, I mean, I think even... I don't know if it was before or after, he was spotted watching one of the under-23 games, signing autographs in the stand. And, I mean... They're the sort of players you want in this club. Who they're the type of players that you that will fight on all fronts for this club. So 
if we can get some more Lucas Moura types and uh, Hongmin Son types in, then who knows? And Alan, the final positive for this week is that we're not playing, so we can't lose. However, next weekend, it's the Cup. Brighton in the fourth round. It's not going to be the easiest of ties, but can you see us taking an extra step on the road to Wembley? Oh, Brighton are such a good team. And if let's be honest, if they had a top-quality striker, I think they'd be much higher in the table than they are. Um, and they're eighth already, aren't they? So yeah, ninth, yeah, I, I, one of those two. But you can tell they've won. They're not winning much. They won six, but they've only lost four all season. So they, it shows they're a really difficult team to break down. And as you say, the difference is just that regular hitman. So exactly, will Tottenham be worried, regardless of hitman or not, when they come to North London in over a week? I, I think most Spurs fans would be worried seeing that Brighton team and what they're capable under Potter. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I am worried. I don't think it's a nowhere near a good draw or a favourable draw for Spurs. It's going to be a very tough game. Um, it just depends on how we approach it. I think Conte. Uh, I think Conte will start strong on that game, especially after the two-week, you know, break. I don't see why he would start a weakened team like we did against uh, Morecambe. I think he's going to start strong. So. Just just one of them games we'll have to wait and see. But if we, if we approach it in the right way and Conte goes with a strong team, I think we can get the result, especially being at home. If it was away from home, I'd say, you know, it's going to be a very tough game. But I reckon we can get a result with it being at home. Right, let's have some predictions then. Alan, I'll start with you. Are you up for the cup in a week's, in a week's time? What have you got for me? 2-1 uh, Spurs. Like it. And Ryan, what about, what about yourself? I'm going to go three-one Spurs with the retur- hopeful returns of Romero and Son into the first team. Awesome team news as well. And Holly, what's your prediction? I'm going two-one as well because we can't keep a clean sheet. So <laughs> absolutely fine. As long as we're in the draw for the fifth round of the FA Cup, that will do me. I'll go one-nil. Nice tight affair, but a win is a win. Right, we've hit full time, so I just need to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking my three Pod Squad members. Alan, a fantastic second performance. I hope you enjoyed that one, and would like to join us soon. Yeah, always love coming on here and talking everything Spurs. So thanks for having me and happy to come back whenever. Not a problem, mate. We'll have you in the fold sometime soon then. So Ryan, thanks again for your time this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yes, as always. I, uh, I Patrick gets better soon. He's back in the team. Obviously, nice to work with Holly, the vice-captain tonight. And uh, Alan's all right, I suppose. <laughs> and Holly, of course, thanks for stepping in late notice, wearing that captain's armband, running the channels. I hope you've got those minutes under your belt and would like to join us soon. Yeah, no, it feels good. Like I say, it's it's not very often I get to be on the talking side of Tottenham. So I really enjoyed it tonight. And again, I hope uh, Patrick gets well soon so he can uh, take some minutes off me. <laughs> yeah, of course, Patrick, if you are listening, which I'm, I'm sure you are. I hope you are anyway. I'm sure you are. <laughs> Do get well soon, mate. And hopefully you'll be back with us in a week or so. There'll be no show next week because there's no football. We could do a transfer special, but... You know, Tottenham don't do transfers, so it's probably a waste of all our time. So with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and until next time, come on you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.